Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And we are flying. It was so much fun this week. I actually felt like I was in conversation. So give everybody a little bit of the backstory of what's going on. It is so good to really get to highlight and have connection with this amazing community. And you know who you are because you pull me aside in the grocery store and you're like, I'm a nester. I'm a nester. And then I know the kind of person you are and I feel immediately connected to you. So if you missed last week's podcast, I encourage you to just hit pause right now on this one. So you can go back and listen to last week. We were talking about the concept of the long game when it comes to marriage. Ian and Marjorie just celebrated a, a big anniversary. How many was it? 38, did we say? 38. 38 years. My 38. parents just celebrated 43 years. Gosh, um, I didn't know we were so close behind them. I know. I don't very, know how the math really works young, out on that. So. Yeah, you did. We were discussing what are some of the things that make a marriage last? Because if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know yeah. that we are both very transparent in conversation that neither of us finds marriage to be super easy. I think if you're really independent, it can feel challenging. There's lots of challenges when it comes to marriage, even for the best of couples, it it is challenging to navigate. And so Marjorie had a really fun little list of of some things that can help you making sure that the longevity of your marriage is there. And then what happened well, was in per- well, real quickly. So the woman who did the the article, she yeah. her name is Colleen Sullivan. I want to give her credit. What was cool is she interviewed people who had been married more than 25 years. Yeah. So the advice wasn't from therapists. It was from people who had successfully stayed married for 25 years. That link is on part one. So go back. That's on part one. Please continue. Um, so then of course we only got to like one of the things on the list because then we just yammered on as we do. There were 13 um, things, Elizabeth. 13. And we, and we got did through one. 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 Yeah. Whoa. That was probably feedback when we had a radio show. Hey, ladies, you might need to, to like get through the content that you've planned. Uh, but now that it's our own podcast, we can do whatever the hizel we want. So that's right. Um, we so then we asked for your feedback, and I said, "Hey, listen, we're going to check our DMs. We're going to check messages on the Best to the Nest uh, Facebook page. We want to know what's been the secret to your success when it comes to lo- the longevity of your marriage." Marjorie's been married for thirty-eight years. I'm coming up on ten years, which in marriage land is still pretty long, I think. That's a milestone. And actually, I I didn't say this in the last podcast, but I always add 15 years to my marriage. So that puts us at 53. Why? Because we did a morning show together for 10 years, which I would always say to people, like, you talk to your husband for four hours a day, five days a week. Nobody talks to their husband for four hours a day. No. So I think we get extra time. Yeah. to add on time, so... So we got so many amazing messages from you all, and um, and we thought we would just start sharing some of those. We're gonna we're gonna ditch the rest of the published list and go with the non-published list. That I is, I love this. 
from our nesters. So Marjorie, you've got some. Let's just kind of ping pong, shall we? Well, I want to, I, I, I wrote out. So I want to say this is a little bit like, um, if anybody remembers Romper Room. No. So we, we got notes from Sarah, Janine, Barb, Susan, Sarah, Senya, Elisa, Heather, Lindsay, Kimberly, Julie, Laura, Lori, Anne-Marie, Maria, Lynn, Deborah, Sarah, H, Nicole, Roxanne, Up North Mom, Tara, Liz, Christy, Gina. And that was only from one source. I know. The messages were coming in. I mean, this is the thing about social channels. They were coming in from everywhere. And <laughs> it was really, really fun. I just had the best time going through them this week. And then I have to give a special shout out to M Maya, who left um, the kindest audio message in 2021 that neither one of us ever saw. Oh, man. I So Maya, thank you. Thank she you. was listening to episode 241. Mm. That's how long ago. It's 100 episodes ago. 100 episodes ago and compared our podcast to a warm blanket. Oh, jeez. Boy, that's always <laughs> what I want. That. I don't ever want to be a, considered a wet blanket, but no, a warm blanket. I like that idea. Blanket. So to, <laughs> to the advice, I'm going to start with Anne-Marie. I thought this was really interesting. She said, what makes our marriage work? We came from similar backgrounds and have very aligned goals. So that's the headline, aligned goals. Mm -hmm. Financial goals, how we want to raise our kids, retirement goals. We both are really driven, which makes for a lot of common ground as well. I think that is having our own friends and interests as well as a small allowance so that we're not on each other's butts about things like Botox or NFL football collector cards, things that people probably fight about. It's not for everyone, but we both have always worked full time and I enjoy not having to pitch why I'm getting Botox, frankly, and I don't want to know about the collector cards. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of stuff came up about finances and what people spend money on. And I do think that it can be very divisive within a marriage. Just if you start foundationally, it can be very stressful if there isn't enough money mm -hmm. to cover your monthly bills, because that's just a stress that I never want to live again. Right. Um, I know. And, and then beyond that, once you have some disposable income, if your goals aren't aligned of where that money's going to go, mm -hmm. That can be very stressful. So I, I like, that's not my system, but I like her system that they have like a fund that they can pull from, I guess, where they don't have to question where the money's going. Yeah. You know, but, we, um, I, one thing that I was a real selling point for Jay yeah. when he was in the running to become my husband <laughs> and I was dating multiple people at the time that I was dating him, but whatever. I forget my younger that. Days. Oh yeah. It was great. Um, <laughs> but I remember really early on feeling like both of us, we came from similar backgrounds in terms of finances and in terms of just like the type of neighborhood we grew up in and the type of suburban, whatever. And we both, as much as we appreciated that, that upbringing and we loved a lot of things about it, we both had a very, we had very clear and aligned ideas about what we wanted our life to look like. Like I am not, you know, and this is nothing against the suburbs because I, I grew up in the suburbs. It's great, but I am not a suburb right. person. Right. I, I will either live out in the country on 10 acres or right. I will live right in the middle of the city. It's not like a right. middle ground deal for me. And so, and Jay is the same. And that's and huge actually. That I think is really huge. And I know it seems like those two are real opposites, but it's just a matter of what's the idea of how you want to surround yourself. And, and that has just made setting up our life together a lot easier. And we have plenty of other things that we disagree on, but right. that one thing I think has been helpful. 
Well, and I think for, in terms of what was really important for both Ian and myself was we knew that we were going to do, that we were both going to work in media. Mm -hmm. And that does usually require a bit of jumping. Yeah. Um, Moving. Especially in the day. I don't know so much now, but when, when I was coming up and when you were coming up, yep. generally in television, you started in a smaller market and then you jumped to bigger markets and the same was true. So, you know, for Ian and I, that had to be, we had to be on the same page. And, and the tricky part of that is when we lived in Nashville, I was headed to law school. I had gotten accepted to law school in Iowa, at the University of Iowa, and then we moved to Nashville and I was still thinking, oh, I'll go to law school. I applied to Vanderbilt. And that would have very much, and then I got pregnant at the same time. And so just the timing didn't work out, but that would have changed our life significantly in that alignment because you can't be a lawyer that's jumping from city to city. Right. right. In media, it's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But I think that that was, we talked about that early on, that that was a life that we were going to pursue, that I was good with the fact that he was in radio, which defines how you live your life. Those are the big ones. But I think she makes a great point that being in agreement about retirement, how you're going to raise your kids, yeah. religion, I mean, all those things, like you really got to talk about that before you get I married. I know, it's you important. do. And, you know, I think you're right, though. There is this sort of thing of, I don't care what a person does as long as they're passionate about it. You know, like, I don't care if he's this or he's that or she's this or she's that. I think that's kind of a load of crap It is because you do need to care about what that person does because it impacts you. And I believe that I learned that very early on because my father was a minister and my mother was a minister's wife. And so very early on, I understood that in many careers, including the career that I grew up in that house and in in the career that I have now, that there is a family role to play when it comes to that person's career. And so if you're going to say like, oh, I love this man. um, And it's really a big priority for me that he is home at five every night and around, like, what do I want my family dynamic to look like? But he's a surgeon who's on call all the time. And he's a surgeon who's obsessed with his job. Like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, it's wonderful that you love that person, but you have to think about what your daily life is going to look like with the demands of what the other person has going on. It's just the truth of the matter. And it goes way beyond finances. It goes to time. It goes to thinking about the type of people that your spouse surrounds themselves with the type of events that you have to go to what's expected of you if they have that career. And it's not to say that you can't make it work, but I think to say, like, as long as that person loves what they do, then I love that is is not realistic. No, because if we go back to, and a lot of people mentioned partnership, and that was on the original list too, that marriage is a partnership, mm-hmm. that that's what that means. That if your, your career, both of your careers will have a huge impact mm-hmm. on both of your lives. So you have right. to be a partner in that. I mean, you just do. I mean, when Ian and I first started out, he was doing morning radio. And I was producing a 10 o'clock newscast. Uh oh. You couldn't be on more different schedules. It was really hard. In news, when you're producing, your adrenaline peak is at 10 o'clock at night when the show goes live. Yep. So then you have after show stuff. So I wasn't getting home till midnight. And then I'm still wide awake. And he's leaving the house at four o'clock in the morning. But he was super supportive because he he knew that that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And in radio, you kind of want to be in the morning. So that's what he needed to do, but it was really a difficult way to start. And yeah, then, that's I mean, a season. 
and then yeah it's the season and then the other season was when he decided he was going to go to seminary Mm -hmm. and i had to say to him like i don't know what's in your head but we need to talk about it because if if you're going to become a a priest i can't be the priest's wife right i I can't be a pastor's wife it's not a role i'll be good at it's Mm -hmm. not a role that i think is necessarily fair um, it's not, it, you're it's, preaching to the choir on that one. And I'm the person who got recruited to sing in the choir because yeah. my dad was the yeah. preacher. Yeah. <laughs> it takes the whole family. And so, yeah. but those conversations will not only happen when you first get married, people have career changes. They'll happen throughout your marriage. And I think yeah, they you're will. Right. You, you, you can't be, you can't be sort of Pollyannish about that. You've got to really understand that it will impact you. The finances are interesting. Christy DM Dustin said, um, I've had many conversations with my girlfriends about marriage and the number one thing they argue most about is money. Uh, My husband and I have separate checking accounts to pay for the bills, which we split amongst each other. However, we have a joint savings account that we contribute to each pay period that covers household repairs, vacations, et cetera. The money I work for is mine. I don't have to justify what I buy and how I spend my money, nor does he. We do, though, discuss bigger purchases. Unlike my girlfriends, I have no guilt or need to hide Amazon boxes that show up on the doorstep or explain the $200 (laughs) pair of jeans I have to have. She said, I know not everyone works full time, and I understand that one person in the household may make more than the other. So this isn't going to be for everyone. But hearing them talk about the money argument they all have was an eye opener to me. I have to say, this is one of the things that makes my marriage great and avoids those tough conversations. And, you know, we talk so much about Hmm. this. Because, you know, Jay and I didn't get married until we were 33. And so we had full financial histories prior. I think it's really different when you get married in your early 20s. Um, Or if you're going to make the decision that one person is going to not be working outside the home and not bringing in money. So those situations are different. I think I'm probably more in the Christie camp um, where we, Jay and I each have our own checking accounts. And then we have a joint account and we, we kind of do the, well, a little bit of the opposite. We put, um, we each have a a set amount that we put into the joint account, every pay period that pays for all of the bills and pays for all of the other things. That's fascinating. Then who, the money that's left over is just. And then the, and then we have certain amount that we put into savings and we have joint accounts and then some separate savings accounts. Like I have my own savings account, obviously like both have our own 401k and our own retirement. And it's not like we don't look at this as like a holistic family finances, but I don't want to obsess over like if he's going on a golf trip or he's buying new golf shoes or whatever, like that's his deal. And that's my deal. Because everything else is covered. Everything else everything is, covered. is covered. And I don't like, and then we have conversations about the budget all the time. And I don't ever want to be in a situation where he's the only one who knows what's going on with the finances. And I also want to feel free to like have my own investment strategies with things that I might be interested in and stuff right. like that, that right. he, and then he can do things separately. That's really interesting. I, we are completely different. And yeah, I think we, I would have been different had I gotten married older. Cause I actually, like knowing everything and I like doing it. Um, (laughs) So I would have always been involved no matter what, but we don't have anything separate. Everything is together, always has been. Um, But that's also particular to us. And, and that's our, that's my comfort zone. And more importantly, actually it's my husband's because he doesn't really do any of it. And so he's just happy to not. Yeah 
be a part of it. It's, it's sort of just like less complicated though. Like if you get married when you're 21, I mean, what do you, did you have? Like you each well, had a checking thing. account, maybe? Well, everything I, mean, I had, I had some money because I had saved money from when, because when yeah. I was modeling, when I was younger, I had saved all that. Mm-hmm. And so I promptly went and paid off my husband's school loans with that money. It wasn't a lot, but it was four or 5,000 in 1980, oh, whatever. That was really nice of you. I just I wanted to be done. I would not have done that. I don't like I would debt. have been like, you have to pay this off. <laughs> I don't I don't like debt. And my parents paid for my college and his parents did not. Yeah. And so I just felt like that, like that, I felt so, you know, I think what my parents did was generous. And so I just felt like I can do that and we can start our life debt free. I, I, I hate debt. I, yeah. I really do. I just, yeah. I don't like to be in debt. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. So that felt good. And it would have felt weird to me. But and I say this with no judgment, but this is a huge thing for couples. Mm-hmm. I the way you talk about it, I really love that because I think it forces conversations about where you are. And I think the downside of my situation is we don't have any conversations, not many, because mm-hmm. it's just going. And I think probably it you know, we could have benefited from more conversations. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the I downside of my method is that there is like there's not right. always uh, accountability. You know, I mean, right. we've actually talked about even being more transparent about just having like a more regular check-in on like, hey, what have you spent on this? What are we spending on this? Just right. so that I, just so that we can right. make sure that we're tightening up a little bit. Cause it's- Yeah, that's, the, that's know, the, that's the hard part. I mean, I, so I pay all the bills. So I go through all the credit cards. I go through line, but I mean, I look at everything. Mm-hmm. So I know where the money's going. What is tricky is sometimes if I, and I'm I'm not so much now, but when I was younger and you're in that scary building stage and you're like, yeah. we need to cover this. We've got tuition. We've got whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nanny and car. And I mean, all the things. So much, a lot of things. Right. It's not that way anymore. Cause I mean, we're just two people who don't have a lot of needs anymore. So it's mm-hmm. like, but my husband, shout out to Ellen Edmonds. Um, my <laughs> husband loves Ellen Edmonds shoes. And so it's so funny because that will be, if he had any, and I don't even think it's excessive, but if that, if he had any one thing that he spends money on, it's shoes, which is so funny because it's like we're the complete opposite. Like, so funny. Um, but so I, but I see that all coming in. Um, what is interesting, and I may be formed the way I'm formed is because my parents had separate accounts. Yeah. Always. Because my mom worked always and my mm-hmm. father worked always. My parents have separate. And but what was so interesting is the way that they did it is my father covered housing and my mom covered education. Yeah. So my mom paid for all of our college. And I'm not sure that that was fair. Like it was definitely not equal in that Not sense. equitable. But I don't know how you're equitable. My mother made more money than my father. So yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how that's equitable. I don't know how you make it equitable, but I'm grateful that she paid for school. But boy, isn't it's that weird. a great marriage secret? It's never going to be equal. <laughs> the sooner you just realize that, yeah, the better. That's actually, you're not that's just true. like listing. Okay. We've got a whole bunch more. Okay. Let's do you have sure one more? Do you want me to go? Um, well, I do love these. Um, Senya. Oh, you know, Senya May, our acupuncturist, yes, our functional it. medicine. Um, a uh, practitioner, she says, keep playing together. Both our sets of parents modeled this super well. My parents biked together and had regular movie nights and his parents hiked all over the place. If all you have are bills and work and raising kids and household chores, where is the fun in your life? You have to have that fun together. She said, we've been married 25 years. 
We've biked everywhere from Minnesota to the Pacific coast, to the French Alps. And with our son, we bike as a family all over Minnesota and the U S the family that plays together stays together. And I do think that prioritizing fun is a really big deal. And it's particularly, and I know Senya has a young son. And so she's in that same phase of parenting that I am. It can be so formulaic and you feel like you're just surviving and you're just trying to get your head above water. And it's very easy in those moments to build up a lot of resentment against your partner, because especially if you feel like that person's having more fun in life than you do, it's complicated, but I think she's right. We really try to prioritize some of these like date nights. I told you, you know, now we're doing Sunday night date nights. We kind of look at it in a different season of figuring out like what works and when can we get together for a while? We didn't have any time. And I was so tired that a date night didn't work that we would we would try to, I would carve out like an hour after we'd get the kids to daycare to go have coffee together and have a breakfast. And I mean, I was fortunate with my work and his that that we were able to do that, but that was sometimes the only time we were able to have a conversation and like remind each other that you really like hanging out together. Right. Without anybody else around. I think that that's what, yeah. Ian used to say in a really busy times, he's like, you know, I don't want you to be my roommate. Yeah. I just don't want you to be like, you're here, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Hi, great, whatever. And I think that every, but I think it's important too. I love how you always use the word season. I think it's important to know too that those times will happen. Yeah. They're going to happen. You can't prevent that from happening, especially if you have children, but it's important to recognize that it's happening and then pull back. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to stay in this state of happy, playful existence, it's going to have, it's going to ebb and flow, Mm -hmm. but you just have to get back to the place where you're prioritizing it. I think at least that's what I found. Yeah, Um, I think so too. And, and getting creative about how you can do it because I think, you know, it's the same thing with self-care that we have this idea that it's like, just go get a pedicure and everybody, everybody will be fine. Like go get a date night and everything will be fine. Well, I, you know, that doesn't work for, if you're like exhausted and then you're resentful that you have to go. I mean, there was a time when I'm like, I can't freaking go out to dinner. I can barely like get out the door for work. I'm exhausted. I'm like awake four times a night. What am I going to go do it? All I'm thinking about is the date night is please God, can I just get home and go to bed? Right. You know, I remember that that feeling. I know. Like my my only priority was how quickly can I get in bed? I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And when you wake up in the morning, and yeah, all you can yeah. think about is when do I get to go to sleep again? The yeah. two times, like the two seasons of my life that I felt that is when I worked yeah. mornings and then yeah, when I it. had small, little tiny babies. Yeah. I mean, I think that's not to go too deep in that, but that was the hardest thing about doing a morning show for 10 years. Oh, it's exhausting. I didn't realize until I stopped doing the morning show that I had been in a state of perpetual perpetual exhaustion. I know. And then we did a mid-morning show and it was, then you were just so happy. You skipped around everywhere. <laughs> you did. Also because time. of you. You were we lovely. Had a great time. It was really fun. Um, so Nicole writes, this is interesting. She said, for, for two of the long game, my husband and I will have been married 19 years in October. We both come from homes with divorced parents and made a commitment before we married that we would work to make our story different than that of our parents. Mm-hmm. I laughed when Elizabeth said this week that you have to make being apart harder than being together. Yes, that's a, <laughs> that was good. That was very good. That was some truth. And I like the idea of talking about our story is going to be different. You know, the way that Nicole wrote that, it, it sounds so lovely to say that our story is going to be different, that making your story different than the story of your family of origin, trust me on this, is a lifelong 
work of yeah work. It's just yeah. lifelong work to make yourself different than your family of origin. So mm-hmm. I so admire that, Nicole. And I think that's actually great, great advice. And it does tie back to something I think Elizabeth said on the last podcast is understanding your spouses or your partner's family of origin is also really important mm-hmm. even before you get married. Yeah. Because it will have an effect on your marriage. She goes on to say, what also works for us is to remind each other to choose wisely and treat kindly. Beautiful t-shirt. Sorry, I'm screwing this up. I also just found this this video from the other day and this really resonated with me. It was from Brene Brown. I thought this was interesting because then the next message I had was from Sarah, who then went on to explain the Brene, Brene Brown video. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to read that one? That's the 50-50, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Yes. you can read that one from Sarah. I love this one. So that's the Brene Brown um, dismissing, she's dismissing the idea that relationships should be 50-50 because they're not ever. This is Sarah's message. She said that it helps to qualify. So if you are operating at 20%, your partner can come up with the other 80 to cover you. Or when your partner is only in a 10, you can come up with the other 90 to cover them. The key is to communicate that. And if you're ever both not up to 100% or you can't cover the other, then you need to be kinder to each other, more patient, get more sleep, give each other a break, forgive easier. Sarah said, I had a stroke eight months ago and my husband has consistently been covering an additional 80% for me while I've been recovering. I'm so grateful for him. And this advice has been so helpful. And I, you know, Brene Brown, um, I watched the video on of her talking about this and mm. it is a really for them, for her and her husband, I think her husband's name is Steve. They have a, it's a daily conversation. What do you, or when they come home, like, what do you at? I'm at 20, I'm at 20%. What are you? Oh, okay. I got the 80. And then immediately like that, I'm going to test this with Jay Reimers. I'm going to explain this to Jay Reimers. And then I'm going to test it because we, um, I think, I, I think we struggle sometimes where I, I believe that he should be at 100 all the time. Because yeah, I am testing. generally operating at a pretty high percentage. Yeah. And um, and he consistently will say to me, and this is his complaint about being married to me, there's only one, uh, nothing else. <laughs> complains. But it is like, you have to allow me to feel how I feel. And I think sometimes like, I don't allow, I don't, I'm just like, well, uh, get it together. Like you gotta, you gotta, this is, and this is- Fuck up. Fuck up. I mean, I really do have a buck up mentality. I don't with our kids, I do with him. And, um, it's one of the things, yeah, not surprisingly that I love most about you (laughs) because it's just, you're so strong and it's just, and it was why working with you was a joy. Cause it's like, just get on with it. Like, (laughs) like, and, and I'm, I'm that way too. I don't know if I meet your buck up, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty scrappy. It's like, that's why I love you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just so funny because we would come in ready to play mm-hmm. every day on the show. Right, there was right. no, it was a very consistent line, but you, you are that way in life in general. And mm-hmm. what I also love about you, and I think you are a little bit different than me in this way. That's why I like being around you is you lean toward optimism. Right. And so that buck up attitude combined with the leaning toward op- optimism, that's a big standard to live with. Feels like for someone living with me, it might get a little exhausting over time. And so I will concede that. And, um, you know, and then what happens is I think if I don't just allow him to like feel the feelings and kind of like ease into things, 
then he really like revolts, you know, because then yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, where if I, if I would have just been like, all right, let him be and not taking it like this whole personal affront of like, do not damage my day. You know, this is, this is the struggle. It, it's very, it's very it's interesting. It's you know, the day, the day-to-day interaction is, is I think interesting. And Molly Cat, you know, Molly Mogren Cat, who's been a guest on this podcast, right. who we adore. She sent me a DM and here's what she said. Here are my marriage tips. And of course she's so organized. She wrote one, two, three, number one. Every time you enter your house or your partner comes home, try to greet them with the enthusiasm of a golden retriever. When you come home all negative, it shifts the energy for your whole family. That's 100% true. I I love that. And I've talked about this before. I have a good housekeeping book from 1964. Yeah, I love it. Which is all about like how you're supposed to run your house. And somewhere in that book, it talks about putting on red lipstick before your husband gets home. So I think (laughs) Molly's is the updated version of that. And I like Molly's better. Yeah. But, but it's the same thing of greet your husband with a bit of joy. Yeah. Like I'm excited to see you, see you. For, yeah. for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I like that's, that. that's a nice thing to do for everyone in your family. Give your significant other a real kiss once a day. What she is said, it, it seems so simple, but I more times than not, I find myself climbing into bed at the end of the night and thinking I didn't do that today. Better and late than never. Real kiss. Like, well, Molly's probably doing a full out French makeout. I mean, okay. don't you know, Molly? Yeah. Get it, Molls. Um, I think she means probably like a more intentional <laughs> embrace now and a, and a kiss. I will tell you one thing that has yeah. very much changed our home is that Jay and I decided that the first time that we like interact in the home outside of like when we're in the kitchen. So like if we're, if, cause I get up earlier, if I'm up and I'm, and you all know, like a lot of times we're in a sleep divorce. So like if I, if he's sleeping and then we come down and then we're in the kitchen, we do, it's a real hug, like a real, like long, long, full hug. We were actually joking the other day because I'm always like, will you scratch my back when we're hugging? And then I scratch his back and I was like, we should make a meme out of this. We should take video of us hugging and scratching each other's back and be like, this is the reason you get married. It's just for this this moment. (laughs) But it has made, it has made a big shift because it's just that moment of like physical connection of just a reminder of like, oh, this is this human being. Like, this is this person that I love that I'm connected to and not just someone who I'm like going about business with. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's always a, and and these are the reasons you get married, but for me, there's something about rubbing my forehead. I love having my forehead stroked. So like I'll lean on him when we're watching TV and I'll like, (laughs) like (laughs) like a a dog be like, yeah, nudge in there. Pet me. That's cute. And then Molly said, Know when it's actually important to stay, to take a stand on things yeah. and know when it's better to just S-T-F-U. Shut the bleep up. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, um, no, and then she put right a smiley that. face. I know. I think those are good too. And I do think that you learn that. That's sort of one of those things that sometimes it's just hard to learn without time. You know, I mean, I don't know if you can, if you're a really evolved person, maybe you can get that early on in a marriage, but it feels everything feels more intense. I think when you have sleep deprivation, everything feels more intense and you can just learn a lot more when to just be like, all right, whatever. Right. I say to Jay a lot, like you can, you can think that. And if you think that that's great, like <laughs> I just, I'm it not took me a long time to way. learn that lesson to choose yeah. wisely about what yeah. I had to take a stand on. Yeah. And 
you know, I do think part of that was getting married so young. It was youth. But, but chronal, I mean, I think we all know people who are, could be 35 and are still emotionally immature. My chronological age just happened to match my emotional intelligence. I right. don't think I was, I don't think I was very emotionally intelligent at 20. I don't. Well, I, uh, I strength don't. and independence is a really, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's your I greatest would... strength and also your greatest weakness. Yeah. It's your greatest yeah. strength in terms of so many aspects of your life. And a lot of times in a marriage, it can be your greatest weakness yeah. because you just, your default is I can do this on my own. Yeah. I got and, this. If, and that's, I, that's one of the things I'm the most proud of with myself. It's also the thing that makes being in a marriage the most difficult. It's hard. It's hard. And it, it goes back to just real quickly, going back to Brene Brown. I watched the video as well. And I would encourage anybody, if, if that interests you, go, you can Google it and you'll find her. And I have to say, I reacted so negatively to it when I saw it. Oh, really? Which I had to like check myself. Like, why am I, why am I reacting to this? And partially it was that everyday communication of where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? It's like, oh God. And then I had to like sit with that for a moment and be like, why would that be a bad thing? Yeah. Why would that be a bad thing to actually have a communication about where you're level where you're where you are so i i've sort of come around to it i don't think i'll test it because i don't know that ian would play on that i don't know that he would mm. but and we also don't have that many stressors now yeah. honestly i mean once you don't once your kids leave home i know it's it, why my parents keep saying yeah it's amazing like it's they're like empty nesting is the best part of life i'm like thanks guys you're sweet <laughs> <laughs> no i get i i think but i think i get that but to you and testing it with Jay, I do like when, after I had the first negative reaction, then I really started thinking about when we were having so many things going on all the time, mm -hmm. there was stuff to do all the time, the stuff the that time. had to be done all the time, mm -hmm. that checking in with your partner on a day-to-day -day basis is probably a good thing. So I hope you do test it because I, I want to report. Back. Yeah. I like that one. Okay. Um, Heather said this, no games. If you feel it, say it, if you need it, ask for it. And if possible, no pants when you sleep. <laughs> Yeah, I just lost my breath on that one. That was really good advice. I do think that if you need it, ask for it is important. And I think it's yeah. important to ask that. I mean, this is a lot of, a lot of therapy speak to, but you know, I talked about this a little bit when I was telling you that I was giving my sister golden marriage advice a few weeks ago, but, right. um, that she, that finding a moment to have a conversation about what you need or what you need your home to look like, or how you need things to run in a moment where you're not just filled with rage and just pissed off about how it's going, yeah. having that conversation and then offering your partner some context about why you feel that way and what it's causing in your daily life to not have things go the way that you would like it, I think is so much more likely to reach a compromise versus just waiting for the boiling point. And Oh, the boiling point will be a disaster. Yeah. It's and never, it never works. It never works to come at anything with yeah. anger or rage. You're never going to get the outcome you want. You might get in the moment um, submissiveness. They may submit to what you're demanding, yeah. but it's not going to come without consequence down the line. Yeah. Not Jay. He's not going to submit. He's... <laughs> 
No, he, he yeah. does. His, yeah, we don't we don't have submissive husbands. I would say that's not, yeah, that yeah, that's not, that is not how I describe them. Uh, Tara wrote, I thought this was interesting. She said, Hi, just listen to your latest podcast. Have you heard or read about the concept of fair play life? The woman who started it literally wrote down all household tasks and created a card game to play with your significant other. It's a fascinating concept. I've yet to try it. But she said she finds that fascinating. And then she just wrote, marriage is hard. Yeah. And, you know, again, lists of what's to be done. I would have to say I have no advice on this because I don't ever think we found our way on household stuff. I, yeah. I just don't think we ever did. I mean, and, you know, part of that is for so many years when the kids were growing up, my husband was working seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So it's like how much, how much, if it, if he's not doing something around the house, how much more do I really demand? Because it was complicated. Right. And he would try. I mean, but it was just, it was so complicated. And he, it, you know, again, I go back to, we were both so tired. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things just didn't get done. And I, and, and I guess in some ways I would say like, if you're in that situation and you're both really tired and you're both working really hard just let go a lot of it. Let your house be a little messier than you would normally. Oh, if, if it's okay, it's if it's okay me. with yeah. you. Yeah. You know, and you that, it makes it. my stress worse when it's a mess. And when it's, I mean, I just, when I come home and it's a mess, it's right. just very stressful. Right. I, yeah. I, I think I, I do think a lot of it is just acknowledgement of what the other person is doing. And I would say if I was, if I was just doing this podcast for many men out there, this is different for all types of relationships, but in a heterosexual marriage, that is, if you're similar to mine, there is just still, there are a lot of household things that I do that Jay doesn't do. I mean, there's a ton well, he of, doesn't even, being, he doesn't even see them probably, right. but they need it's to be done. It's a lot of unseen labor yeah. and things yeah. that are getting done now there are two kind of elements to this. Number one, I do feel like I've been a lot better about communicating what I need from him. So even we had a conversation and, and to Jay's credit, I mean, he said to me, Hey, um, the kids start golf. What's the golf. What do you think their golf attire situation is? And I was like, Oh, (laughs) they could use X, Y, Z. And he was like, great. And then he went and got it all. He didn't have to ask me what size shoes they were, but whatever, that was fine. And then he went and got it all. And then he labeled the shoe boxes with their names and had them sitting out when they got home for their golf shoes. This is good. So that was really good. And then it was a big acknowledgement where I just was like, oh my gosh, that was so awesome that you took that and you just went and ran with it. Because he did say like, well, do you want to pick them out? And I said, you know, this is your thing. No, it's your thing. And and you got to go get it. But some of that acknowledgement, I think asking for what you need. And then yeah. really the other person acknowledging what you do. Cause I can do a million things. And I actually like, like, I like cooking dinner. I like doing all those things. Right. It's just the acknowledgement that I'm doing it is all I really need. Yeah. And as you say, cooking, I mean, I think that's sort of how it broke down in our house is Ian did all of the cooking. I, d- I, I can't never... even imagine being married to that. I, I mean, honest to God, if I cannot, the idea of walking big... into the house Yeah, because Jay will cook and he'll grill or he'll do whatever, but right. I always say, and I say to him lately, like, I'm like, I, this is really great that you're grilling, but I'm also making three side dishes. So I've made three quarters of this meal 
And then it's like, oh my gosh, daddy made steak. Oh my gosh, you're so amazing, daddy. And then it's like, except there's a salad and like homemade freaking sourdough. And, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I will say as I'm thinking so many times on this podcast, I actually have to go back and like, I have to really think about, and it's like when I was talking about, because for me, that was always great. And I, 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 I did not take that for granted because it really was wonderful to not have to think about it, to not have to shop for it. Yes. Not have to, that's a huge, that's a huge, when you have kids, that's a huge thing off of what traditionally might fall to a woman. Yeah. Huge. For me, I was always thinking about like, and it's so weird because we were so sort of, be- we just did everything. Our roles were always switched. So for me, I was home maintenance. So I was always fixing, calling contractors, yeah, dealing with ice dams, you know, all of that. Yeah. Like, and then, and then I really like a very clean house. Yeah. And Ian doesn't care. And so that's the hard part, I think, in any marriage. And I think if I were to go back and like had a questionnaire for my, you know, for my husband to be, it would be like, what do you consider messy? Like, what do you see as a mess? And then you could provide visual aids. Yeah. So you would have images, A, B, C, or D. What is your comfort level? Level And you could show different photos. Of mess. And I, interestingly, hates clutter, but doesn't see mess. Mm. Can tech, like make that make sense. It I doesn't. It doesn't. No, doesn't make but sense. It reminds me real quickly of a story that just Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were out doing a lot of press on their last movie. Yeah. It was Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, and Matt all lived together in an apartment. And they said, and this so reminded me of Ian, and they said, you know, Matt would be like playing video games for days. <laughs> Or he'd be working. My husband doesn't play video games. Or he'd be writing. Or he'd be working. And that's my husband's things. He'll be working. He'll be working on his computer. He'll be writing something. Oblivious to the six dishes surrounding him or anything. And they said, so with with Matt, that's the way Matt Damon is. And so Ben and Casey decided, well, we're just not going to clean up after him. Yeah. We're just tired of cleaning up after him. Because at some point, he'll break. And he will clean up his mess. And Ben, as he tells the story, he's like, he never broke. He never broke. Casey and I broke before he broke. And I feel like like when Ian and I were living separately, when he was getting his PhD, he would send me video of his apartment. Like if he was in a particularly difficult time, the PhD. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I could never like. And he's like, I'm just too busy. And for me, like, I can't get to work. Unless the kitchen's picked up. Right. Like, I can't, I can't sit down to write unless things are in order mm-hmm. and he's the opposite. So I would have, I would have, that's a huge difference between us, which I've had to bridge, but I'm fine with that. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I do love this. Laura says, whenever my brain is annoyed or frustrated with my husband, I try to remind myself that he is a good person. <laughs> he's not making me crazy on purpose. He didn't mean to disregard or diminish my efforts. He is good and loving and hardworking, just like I am. Okay. We both want the best for our okay. family. That reminder calms me down and puts me in a better place to have a conversation about how to fix the issue. I I really think that's some great advice. And that is just called the benefit of the doubt. I mean, what it is, is it's just I love that. the benefit of the doubt is very important. 
And then well, she said, oops, I didn't read the directions to send a DM. I just put all my business on front street. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Interesting. Question. I love it. Well, should we keep, we have so, I mean, we're not going to do a part three, but let's just say no. thank you to everybody that it, it was an incredible week for me. I finally, I mean, obviously Elizabeth and I are very connected, but it goes back to what you said on the podcast last week. It's so nice to hear from everybody else. So we'll probably be doing more of this. Because yeah, it, I think fun. I really loved this kind of crowdsourcing conversation. And let me just say before we go that I do want to acknowledge a message that we got from Janine, who said, I wish I could help with this one, but alas, dot, dot, dot. And then um, it looks like a friend of hers piped in and said, hey, you tried, can't help it. He didn't try. And um, I think that's important to acknowledge because you know, I think we all go into marriage having this idea that we want it to last, right? That we want it to yeah. be the long, you know, we're in it for the long game. This is was the theme of the episode that launched this conversation today. And at the same time, acknowledging that your life is your life and yeah. you can, you certainly have the control to do all of these things, but the only person you have control of is you. And so if you are at a point where you are met with disinterest or disregard or at its very worst abuse, there, there's no shame in saying goodbye to the long game because right. you, right. this is not the way that things are, are working out. Or understanding if somebody says goodbye to the long game on your behalf and it's a surprise to you right? of knowing your what you did in that marriage and that it may not be your failure. Right. It may not be at all. You may right. have been loving, kind, all of these great things that it's your partner's failure, not yours. Mm -hmm. it's just because the marriage failed, you don't have to take on a hundred percent of that. Right. Right. And then and your, your status as a married person isn't a defining characteristic of who you are. You know, we talk yep. about this all the time. I talk about it particularly with regard to career that that has been a real mantra of mine since the beginning of my career in television, which is that what I do is not who I am. Right. What I do is not right. who I am. And that extends into my marriage that what I do and, and my role as a wife is not at the core of who I am because when you identify with something as who you are, if and when that is taken away from you, because at some point it will be, I mean, everything is impermanent in this world, right? The thought of losing who you are um, to me is very terrifying. I want to stay grounded in who I am as I am an individual child of God, human, that's it. And then it doesn't mean that I don't still feel grief for losing those things. Right. But attaching them to who you are can be really tricky. But I think I, I love that. And I think that's actually a wonderful way to end this because marriage, I think this whole idea of the long game, it's about how do you stay in a marriage? But more importantly, it's how can you stay successfully and happily in a marriage? And if those things aren't achievable within that bond, break it. Yeah, because we deserve I think it goes back to that idea of being of knowing who you are first mm -hmm. in that, which is really important. And I I don't say that break it cavalierly. I, I know just you say don't. because it's as you can see from all of the advice we got, the long game is there's an ebb and flow to marriage. Sometimes we'll be happy. Sometimes it won't be. But 
if you're bringing your best to it and you have good communication skills with your partner and he's bringing or she's bringing the best to it, that's that's the kind of marriage that I always wanted to be in. That over the course of it, over the 38 years when we've been married, on the main, we've been happier than not. I felt more respected than not. All of yeah. those things on the main, it's in it's in the positive column. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. all you can hope for. But to Barb and Janine, they're good friends of mine from Phoenix, and I miss you both so much. So if you're oh. listening, I miss you guys. So gosh, a lot in there. I know that was so good. I think we'll just end it on this note. If at all possible, sleep with no pants on. <laughs> okay. Just for everybody listening, I just laughed very loudly and that is going to get squelched by Zoom. So I'll laugh. I'm laughing. Emoji, laughter, laughter, laughter. Oh my gosh. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.